This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money on SiriusXM Channel 132 Business Radio that's powered by the Wharton School. And I'm Kent Smethers, professor here in the Wharton campus in Philadelphia, and I'm joining you all again by Zoom as the Penn campus remains closed. And I'll be bringing you some new content this way until we can resume live shows. Of course, in the meantime, you know, you can connect with me by going to my website, kentonmoney.com. And if you're looking for an advisor, I have a large and growing list of advisors that have pre-screened for being fee-only. Remember, that's what we always memorize is only fee-only. And if you can't find one in your area, just go again to kentonmoney.com. So between, you know, fears about COVID-19 and the stock market's volatility, you might be thinking about time is in order to get your financial shape in uh, in order. And so the, today's guest is going to talk a little bit about estate planning. In particular, everybody just focuses on investments and things like that. But estate planning, getting that wrong, is potentially very, very costly. So today's guest is Clark Kendall, who's the president and CEO of Kendall Capital, a fee-only advisory firm based in uh, Rockville, uh, Maryland. He has over tw- uh, 30 years of investment management and wealth management experience. Uh, welcome to the show, Clark. Ken, thank you for having me on your show to, uh, today. And so why should people listen to this broadcast, I mean, do if they don't have a, a will? I mean, uh, and how many people are do you estimate right now uh, don't have a will? Well, well, first of all, Ken, I am a financial planner, financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not an attorney, but I do work right the front end and the back end of estate planning. The natural statistics are that basically 60% of individuals in the United States do not have a will. So they have not written down how they want their assets to be passed on at their death. But in some respects, they do have a will because if you don't have a will, the state decides how your assets will be distributed, whether you live in New Jersey, Maryland, or Florida. They decide how they'll distribute your assets. Yeah, and it's, it varies from state to state. And so, you know, if you want more control, you know, it's it's certainly you can do that by getting a a, a will. Um, and, and so, do you need a lawyer to make out a will? One reason why people think, you know, listen, uh, it, it's just costly. You know, lawyers are costly. Um, so, but obviously, there's lots of alternatives out there right now. There are a lot of alternatives out there. Um, what I got to point out, it really depends upon the characteristics of your assets. Do you have a lot of money in real estate? Do you have money in your retirement account? Um, is your money taxable? Is it stocks, bonds? Is it real estate? Is it vacation homes or commercial? Also on the opposite side of the coin, who do you want to leave it to? Do you want to leave it to your first wife, your second spouse? Do you want to leave it to your children? Do you want to leave it to your grandchildren? And as I always like to say, I think you know where an attorney adds value is um, attorney has done this a hundred times before, and they can give you different strategies. So we can all just download these generic documents off the web, right? But you know, it's for me, it's like a painter. You can you can use a paintbrush and paint and a canvas to do a painting. 
but it really takes an artist to make a beautiful picture. And I, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have an attorney if you're going to put together a will. Yeah, and then they can also sometimes talk through the options between doing a, a will versus some type of irrevocable trust and, you know, how, what information you want to keep out of probate, out of the public, all that type of stuff. And as I mentioned in the show many times in the past, certain things don't go through probate, like, you know, elect who, who your um, beneficiary is elected on a life, in, life insurance policy or in your 403B or 401k plan. So we also want to get that kind of worked out as well. So let's talk about, you know, when we think about wills, we often lump into that things like healthcare proxies and other directives and so forth. So if you die without um, designating some, somebody as your kind of healthcare uh, a proxy, um, you know, talk about some of the implications there. Well, I, I think it's called a healthcare power of attorney. You give yeah. someone the power of an attorney uh, to make decisions for you, basically many times at end of life when you can't make your own decisions. And many times people will use a living will. A living will is nothing more than kind of a, a document that indicates your thoughts on how you wanted to be treated at end of life. Do you want everything done uh, to maintain your life as long as possible? Or do you, quite frankly, do they want to pull the plug? Um, yeah. When you give someone that, that, that healthcare power of attorney, they can act as a proxy. They can act on your behalf and they legally have the power to do that. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, one of those things that if you don't do that, uh, a lot of times hospitals will just take the conservative approach and just keep, keep you alive. And uh, even if that's not in your wishes, and then, you know, it, often your family is stuck not knowing about things like cremation and other things that you would want to have had done if you don't get this all, all this stuff kind of uh, uh, done. So certainly this pandemic has brought about a lot of market volatility. I mean, um, you know, what are you recommending to your clients right now? Is it kind of staying the course, doing some rebalancing to get back to the original allocations, or, uh, or are you shifting things to be a little more conservative? Uh, you know, it, it could be confused with market timing, but uh, your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts. Well, I think risk is a four-letter word, and you need yeah. to manage that risk. I mean, I think during bull markets, bear markets, ups and downs, low volatility and, and high volatility, um, you need to have you know three to five months worth of emergency funds for the people who are working. For the people who just you know retired, I always like to have you know three to five years worth of money in safe right. secure types of investments. We had a client retire in December and one of their goals and objectives was to you know to buy an RV and travel and see the country. And they had picked out a $300,000 RV that they wanted to buy and the pandemic happened and they were hesitant as far as, you know, going out and buying the RV. And I said, we put the money in safe, secure types of investments because we knew this is what you wanted to do. And then really at the bottom of the market, they were able to take that safety money and go out and buy it. On the opposite side of the coin, um, you know, the risk-free rate of return is defined academically you're the professor, but you know, it's the 90-day treasury bill. And the 90-day right. treasury bill is only yielding 1.2%. And for many people, you know, the real risk, I think, is, you know, five, 10 years being able to maintain that purchasing power. We have yeah. a huge national debt. 
And we just added a bunch of national debt with this CARES Act. Um, and I think managing inflation and protection of purchasing power is a private client's biggest issue right now. Yeah, I mean, no, no question. I mean, the debt picture, and I am the faculty director of the Penn Wharton Budget Model, and we're looking at this debt picture. And yeah, it's, it's very uh, uh, nerve wracking in terms of long, longer term projections. And on top of that, we've recently estimated that the, uh, the pandemic will shorten the, the life of the Social Security Trust Fund by about four years. So it will deplete in about 12 years. And so that's something certainly people need to keep in mind as well. And so uh, you, you, you mentioned that the one client who you know wanted to go out and buy an RV, of course, on one hand, it was great they had safe assets, uh, so they have to manage the um, reduced prices in those assets. On the other hand, <laughs> the, the demand for RVs has actually gone up during this time, so I don't know if you had to pay premium dollar for the RV, but nonetheless, um, are you talking with clients right now about maybe resetting some of those, you know, retirement planning goals of getting a little more conservative in terms of consumption, or is that 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 part not changed very much? That part has not really changed. I do believe, as I said, during bull and bear markets, yeah. you know, you utilize short-term investment products for short-term needs, and you you utilize long-term investment products for long-term needs. Um, so some people have come back and said, Clark, instead of just having three years worth of safety net, let's have five years worth of safety net. Sure. Yeah. Depending upon the, the size of the client's money, uh, size of the client's account, that maybe meant we're moving from five to 10% in sort of mm -hmm. safety investments, but not making dramatic uh, changes in that asset allocation model. Yeah, and finally, let's talk a little bit about long-term care. I mean, as you know, that market has really gotten tight ever since 2008, and um, you know, 7% of U.S. households have long-term care policies, and a lot of those were procured some years ago. Um, you know, people are thinking about long-term care, especially in the post-COVID, you know, 19 uh, type era. So, talk to me about those conversations, and are you? able to try to secure long-term care plans, how, how, you, how are you doing it, and, and so on? There are many variables that go into whether or not a client should have long-term care or not. I'd like to point out what I see is the 65 to 75-year-old, in most cases, will retire, they'll travel, they have the energy and health to travel, and they tend to spend more money uh, than their later years. Then I have yeah. the clients who are 75 to 85, they're most concerned about the grandchildren's soccer schedule um, yeah. and not to spend as much money. And then the 85-year-old and beyond, they tend to have, you know, they're more worried about when, you know, Judge Judy's on and yeah. Ellen's on on TV. And yeah. But the, the big variable is that, is that long-term health care, whether it's, you know, at home. Um, approximately 50% of Americans will need some type of health care uh, have health long-term health care cost involved, but but over 50% of it will be less than 24 months. So we try to quantify. It really depends upon how much the assets that client has, um, whether or not we need to buy long-term care or not. If you have sufficient assets, you can basically self-insure. If you don't have sufficient assets, you do need to, to look at buying long-term care. Yeah, fantastic. Clark, fantastic job. Thanks so much for coming out on the show.
Thank you. Wish you continued success. Yeah, thank you. You too. And it was great to have you. You can learn more about Clark and his firm by going to his website, which is KendallCapital.com. And that's K-E-N-D-A-L-L Capital.com. Kent Smithers, this is your money. Uh, remember, you can connect with me by, on my website, KentonMoney.com. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 